Hello again. How are you? This is Alice Munoz coming to you from Total Health Academy, where we discuss all things total health. Uh, we take one disease, we dissect it, and we talk about everything. So today we're going to talk about vitiligo. Uh, vitiligo is a disease or a disorder that affects the skin. Uh, people who are affected by this disease, they usually lose uh, skin color in brooches. Um, and the exact rate of skin loss from vitiligo is usually unpredictable. Uh, the skin can be affected in many parts of the body, like different parts of the body can be affected. It can also affect the hair color. And also it can affect people like inside the mouth um, inside the nose, the mucous membranes that covers the inside of the mouth or the inside of the nose can lose color. So it can affect many, many places. Normally, the skin color of the hair the, um, and the skin is determined by the melanin. So this disorder actually affects the cells that produce melanin. Those cells are called melanocytes, and they are right underneath the skin. They are right underneath the epidermis, like in the dermis. That's where the melanocytes are. Fitligo affects people of all skin types. It just doesn't affect one type of people. It affects uh, all skin types. But it's more noticeable when it affects darker-skinned people only because they lose the skin color and you can actually see it more. It's more pronounced when this happens to dark-skinned people. The condition is not life-threatening and it's not contagious. So that's a good thing. It's not life-threatening uh, and it's not contagious, but it can be very, very stressful to the people who are affected particularly because uh, people are very conscious of how they look and also the looks that they get from other people, like people staring at them. So vitiligo is a disorder of the skin color. The skin color, um, people losing their skin color because the melanocytes, the cells that produce melanin, they either start to die or they stop functioning. The signs and symptoms of this disease. Uh, people can lose skin color in patches. So, it, but, uh, and there are different types of it, but most of the parts that are affected where the skin color is lost is on the hands, on the feet, on the arms, on the face, on the lips, and those kind of things. But it can also affect the hair color, like I said before. So gray hair, premature graying of the hair, um, uh, the scalp, uh, losing color, eyelashes, eyebrows. Some, some men lose um pigmentation on their beard. And this is, we are talking about premature graying of the hair. So that is part of this disease. Even though most people who have gray hair, it usually doesn't affect them as much as when 
the people who lose pigmentation on the skin lose it. This one affects people more when the skin discoloration is on. Um, the the this um, the melanin is lost on the skin more than the hair. Like most people who have gray hair, they really you know they 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 don't care that much. Like I have gray hair, I just color it. So, but premature graying of the hair is a problem, and it's also related to this disorder. So we should not be. Uh, our hairs should not be getting gray at an early age, but sometimes it does. So signs and symptoms of this disease, um, the skin, the tissue inside the mouth, I talked about the mucous membranes, can also lose um, skin color, but that usually doesn't affect people as much as the skin that is exposed, like on the face, on the hands, on the feet, on the legs those kind of parts that people are not able to cover. There are other people who lose skin pigmentation of the eyes, that, like the eyeball. We call this the retina. So uh, people can lose um, pigmentation over there also, and that usually affects their vision. So vitrigo can start at any age, but mostly it affects younger people. Like it can start before the age of 20. And depending on what type of vitiligo that a person has, the discolored patches can cover uh, many parts of the body. So there are different types of vitiligo. There is the generalized vitiligo. This one, the patches often progress and they are almost corresponding on, on like symmetrical on both parts of the body. Like for instance, if it affects your hands, that the skin discoloration is kind of symmetrical on both sides of your hands. The left and the right hand are affected. If it affects the mouth, it will affect you on the both sides of the mouth. If it affects the eyebrows or allowed the eyes, it affects on both sides of the eyes. Then there is the one we call segmental vitiligo, And this one occurs, especially with younger people, and it will just affect one part of the body, a segment. That's why it's called segmental vitiligo. And it might progress for two years and then it stops. Then there is the one that is localized or focal vitiligo. And this one only affects like one little part of the body. So it's not generalized and it's not all over, but, you know, that is... The three types of vitrigo. Now, it's difficult to predict this disease. You never know how it's going to progress until it starts showing itself. Like different people have different progressions. Sometimes people lose pigmentation all over. Like, you know, different parts of the body are affected. More parts of the body are affected. And other people, only a small part of their body is affected. And sometimes the the patches kind of, you know, sometimes they will just disappear without treatment. But in other people, it don't really does it disappear. It kind of progresses and gets worse. Now, rarely will the skin kind of come back, but with some people, it, it just might happen without medical treatment. But for most people... It doesn't happen. Now, according to medical research, 
Fitrigo has no cure. But do not worry. That's why I'm making this video, because I want to give you hope. Um, there are some treatments that can slow down the progression and different kinds of treatment anyway. Complications of this disease. It's not life-threatening, like I said before, but the social and psychological distress, it's um, tremendous uh, because people, it affects people's um, body image and the fact that people stare. They stare at people who are affected. Um, also, another complication is people can get sunburned if they go out in the sun because the melanin kind of protects our skin from sunburn. So um, people who have this condition can get sunburned and they can also be at increased risk of um, skin cancer. Also, the eyes. When people lose pigmentation allow the eyes, they can get inflammation of the iris. This is called iolitis, and it can cause vision problems. Uh, this condition can also affect healing. That means whatever nerves are being inflamed, it most likely is causing inflammation of the nerves that serve the ears and also the ones that serve the eyes. So that's where the vision loss and the healing loss is coming in. Diagnosis of this uh, disorder, most of the time if you go to the doctor, they will try to rule out other uh, diseases like psoriasis. Uh, they will try to rule out dermatitis. Those are inflammatory conditions of the skin. Psoriasis is autoimmune disease. And we're going to talk a little bit about that because vitiligo is also along those lines. Now, to get an accurate diagnosis, the doctor will normally do a biopsy, like take a small piece of um, skin sample, take it to the lab and test it. Um, they also might do blood work to try and rule out other inflammatory conditions like uh, diabetes, anemia, and those kind of things. Um, that should give you a clue. That inflammation, I think I've mentioned that twice now, that is a clue to what is causing this disorder. So there is inflammation, and most of the time it is actually auto information where your immune system is attacking your body without um, a known cause. But anytime you hear that the immune system is attacking the body for no reason, there is always a cause. Even though the cause is not apparent, it is there. And that's why I'm making this video, because I want to tell you something that you know, the medical industry and the scientists have overlooked. And we're going to talk about that in a few minutes. Now, treatment of this disorder. There are many treatments out there. Um, some treatments will try to restore the skin color. Other treatments will try to even out the skin tones. But the results usually vary from person to person, and they are also unpredictable. Some treatments have serious, serious side effects. So always discuss that with your doctor. Make sure that you're getting the pros and cons of any treatment that you might embark on. Um, 
The process of the treatments also takes time for the skin to be restored, for the um, skin tone to be restored or evened out. It could take months. And we are not able to predict the outcome until we see it. So the treatment may take a long time um, to even show whether it has been effective or not. And you may have to try like more than one approach uh, to find the right treatment that will suit your type of fit LIGO. And even when the treatment is successful for a while, sometimes the results may not last. So new patches will appear. And uh, the reason why this is happening is because the treatments that we have, and it don't matter which disease we are talking about. We could be talking about diabetes. We could be talking about cancer. We could be talking about high blood pressure. The treatments that we give people, we are treating symptoms. We are not treating the root cause. And that's why the treatment may be effective for a little while, but it may not last. And that is the same reason why you might see like new patches beginning to appear. So some of the medications we use, um, first of all, let me just make this very important point to tell you that there is no drug that can, stop, can, that can cure this condition. Loss of the melanocyte pigmentation, um, there is no one drug that can actually cure it. And the drugs that we have is to slow down the process, uh, to slow the disease down. So some of the creams that we use are to control inflammation, and that should be a clue what is causing this disease. And I said it is auto-inflammation because um, it is the immune system, your own immune system. It is the one that is attacking the melanocytes. So some of the creams we use are corticosteroids. Those are inflammatory creams. The side effects of this cream are thinning of the skin, so you cannot use it for a long time. And sometimes this condition takes... um, it takes time to be restored. So, but if the creams are pretty easy to use, but sometimes when you have to use it for a prolonged period of time, uh, the doctor may choose to give you a pill instead. Or if they are treating um, a young person, maybe somebody who might not always remember to put the cream on at the right time, they might decide to prescribe a pill so to make life a little bit easy. Other uh, medications that we use are called casnerium inhibitors. Casnerium is an enzyme, and I don't know if I'm pronouncing it right, because English is my second language, but I try. Anyway, these casnerium um, inhibitors, uh, they try to Um, stop the immune system from attacking the melanocytes. So they um, affect the T cells. T cells are some of the soldiers in the body that are supposed to protect us from germs, bacteria, viruses, those kind of things. But this time the T cells, they are mounting an attack on your melanocytes. 
So this is auto-inflammation. And auto-inflammation is when your body um, goes after healthy cells and tries to destroy them. Now, most of the time the doctors will say that the immune system is making a mistake because truly it's not supposed to do that. It's definitely doing the wrong thing. But the immune system never makes a mistake. Um, There is always a reason why it's doing that. The way it was programmed by God to act, it never, ever, ever makes a mistake. And it follows the natural laws, and the natural laws are always governed by spiritual laws. So even when it looks like um, it's it's, um, making a mistake, it really is not making a mistake. There is a reason why it's doing that, but the reason is not apparent. Now. I'm going to finish this topic by talking about the causes of vitiligo. What exactly is going on here? Because when the body decides to attack itself, this is, it's like somebody being destroyed by friendly fire. You have heard of um, sometimes when military people, when they go for drills and training, um, you, there could be an accident. Somebody might be killed by friendly fire. So this is what's happening here. Even though vitiligo is not a life-threatening condition, but you know you you are being attacked by friendly fire because your immune system is really not designed to attack you. But in this case, it is doing exactly that. So what is it causing it to do that? Well. According to medical research, doctors do not know why the melanocytes fail to produce or why they die. Because remember, now some of them are dying or they, are, they just fail to produce their skin color. Um, they fail to produce the melanin. So the doctors do not know why they do this. They think, though, it could be related to a disorder in which the immune system is attacking and destroying the melanocytes, you know, just like I said before. Uh, Sometimes it could be inherited, so this condition might learn in families. If you have this condition of vitiligo, and there's a family history in your family of people who are affected by it, I can actually help you. Um, for me, inherited diseases is not very difficult for me to figure out. I can figure them out very easily, very quickly. I can tell you what causes um, inherited diseases, and I can also tell you how to fix it. So I don't know how you get in touch with me, but whichever way I am on Facebook, that will be the best way you can get a hold of me. Uh, just inbox me and I will be sure to get back to you. So if um, this condition for you is an inherited disorder, I can tell you what causes that and I can also tell you how to stop it. Now, if it's not, that means that your immune system is attacking you. That is called autoinflammation, and there is only two causes for this type of information to occur. But I'm not going to tell you, I'm not going to go into the details as to what happens because this is an area that people do not understand. And I want to make sure that you understand what I'm talking about because human beings 
human beings are spiritual beings. And we have parts of us that are hidden. You cannot see. Like when somebody dies, there is something that leaves the body. The body is left and something has gone. Nobody ever sees that something. Nobody sees how it looks like. Nobody sees what has left. But something obviously leaves. So that is the hidden part of creation. And for me, coming from Total Health, that's why I called my school Total Health, because we talk about even those parts of a human being that you cannot see, the hidden world. So that is where we're going to pick up this discussion. If you get back with me, um, we'll talk about that hidden part of creation, the part that science cannot see. They cannot do research on it. They cannot um, measure it. They cannot medicate it. And anything that comes from there, they will not be able to know what's causing it. Just like they're saying in vitiligo, doctors do not really know what causes it, you know. But things don't come from just nowhere. Everything has a cause, and that's where we're going to pick up. So I hope that this lesson gave you hope. It gave you something to look forward to. And if you decide to get in touch with me, I will be able to explain about those hidden parts of a human being. The ones that we cannot uh, measure, we cannot medicate, and we cannot, we don't see them. It takes some special kind of wisdom and knowledge to even understand what I'm trying to tell you right now. You know, but there is hope. And I know that this lesson will be, um, the information has blessed you. So God bless you. And I hope that we shall be talking soon. Anyway, that's it for, for right now. Okay, God bless. Hello, and how are you? My name is Alice Munua, and I'm coming to you from Total Health Academy, where we discuss all things total health. We talk about everything that the world talks about and a few other things that the world does not talk about. We talk about the things that are seen, and also we talk about the things that are not seen. So our topic today is called atypical chest pain. So what does atypical chest pain mean? Well, the definition is really not clear, but I, I will try to clarify what that means. In a nutshell, it just means that this pain, this chest pain, is not your typical kind of chest pain. <clears throat> so what is the typical kind of chest pain? The typical kind of chest pain is the chest pain that people experience when they're having a heart attack. Um, many people may experience um, chest pain and they would tell you, usually they describe it as a pressure, pressure sensation allowed the chest area. Some people will say that it feels like an elephant is sitting on their chest. Uh, they might have trouble breathing and they also may have a squeezing sensation, but the pain is usually not sharp. Sometimes it could be. Um, but most of the time it's not. Now, this is your typical chest pain. And um, you might have shortness of breath. And 
Sometimes it comes and goes, so it's not constant. And also, if people rest, if you sit down or lie down, the pain kind of tends to ease up. So with atypical chest pain, normally you will not see those kind of things. And atypical chest pain, most of the time, even when it's related to the heart, you will kind of see it with uh, women. Women kind of present when they're having chest pain that is even related to the heart. Because atypical chest pain can be caused by the heart, but it can also be caused by many other things. Uh, So, But we're going to try to talk about all that today. So women will kind of present to the emergency room with atypical chest pain, even when they're having a heart attack. Older people also uh, go to the emergency room complaining of other things, or sometimes they are taken there either um, appealing confused, agitated, uh, being disoriented, um, and many other things, and, and aggressive. You know, those are older folks, and they could actually be having a chest pain, but they won't come out and tell you that they're having a chest pain. Normally, the presentation is always different. Now, people with diabetes, because they have nerve damage, they may not have your typical kind of chest pain, even when their heart is involved. So they will have atypical chest pain. So um, in a nutshell... Atypical chest pain can be caused by um, your heart, but it might also be caused by other things like your respiratory system, your gastrointestinal system, that is your stomach and your esophagus. Uh, It could also be caused by muscular skeletal, uh, that is your bones and your muscles in the chest, muscular skeletal system. It could also be caused by stress. And I know stress is a big word. Stress is actually an umbrella term. Uh, in a nutshell, stress is fear, worry, anger sometimes. It's anything that steals your joy and anything that steals your peace. And atypical chest pain can also be caused by psychiatric problems. Now, what kind of psychiatric problems would actually cause chest pain? You will be surprised. Um, Psychiatric problems will be anxiety, uh, panic attacks, and usually that translates back to fear. So it is some kind of fear. It is coming from somewhere, and it can cause chest pain. Now, The atypical chest pain, like I said before, sometimes it's not always your heart. Even though it's it's hurting out there, it could be your heart, but it might not be your heart. So it is good to have it checked out. So some of the things that people may feel, uh, you can have uh, trouble breathing. You can have excessive fatigue. You can have lightheadedness or dizziness. You can have profuse sweating or with the hallmarks as if you're having a, um, a cardiac arrest or a heart attack, you know. So they are very, very scary. And usually the pain will be sharp. It will be pulsating. It will be tearing sometimes. 
and the pain can last anywhere from 5 to 15 minutes to hours to even days, you know. So, but um, the typical chest pain usually lasts from 15 to 30 minutes and then it's gone. Atypical chest pain can be, it can be prolonged. Uh, now, some of the things I mentioned when I said gastrointestinal system, which is your stomach and your esophagus, that could be caused by acid reflux. Your stomach is making too much acid and the acid is backing up to the esophagus, the tube that connects your mouth and your stomach, and is causing some burning pain and irritation. And this might feel like you're having chest pain. Uh, the respiratory system, that could be caused by trouble in the respiratory system, which is your lungs and your blood vessels that serve your lungs. It could be asthma. You might also have shortness of breath. The muscular skeletal, uh, those are the muscles and the bones that are in your chest. Sometimes you could have arthritis and you could have inflammation. And the inflammation is called costochondritis. So all that um, stuff can actually cause a typical chest pain. Now, when you go to the emergency room, because it's always good to have it checked out, um, don't ignore it. Don't wait too long. Just go get it checked out. Get a clean bill of health before you proceed to wherever you're going. Uh, some people ignore it. <clears throat> Most of the time, they um, they think it's really nothing. Cause it, and then it turns out to be something. And sometimes if you wait too long, uh, the outcomes can be deadly. It could cost um, your life. So it's good to get it checked out. Now, when you go to the emergency room, the doctor will do an EKG, checking your heart, um, the electrical activity of your heart. And usually if they don't see anything wrong, they might refer you um, for testing to have like a stress test. That is where they do a more detailed um, testing of your heart at the stress to see what's going on. It could be an electrical um, problem, like your heart electricity is not traveling very well. You know, all these things need to be checked out. So the atypical chest pain, like I said, the quality of pain can be sharp. It can be stabbing. Sometimes it can be tearing. So, and the pain is really bad. I mean, for most people, they get scared. So, and it may get worse when you try to take an, a deep breath. You know, the pain might get worse. Um, sometimes if you lean forward, the pain will get worse. Sometimes if somebody presses on your chest, like this is one of the testing that the doctors do when they are trying to figure out whether it's muscular skeletal. So they might put a little bit of pressure on your sternum. That if you have some pain there when they place on it, then it's inflammation, which is called costochondritis. Um, but you still have to get it checked out. Sometimes it could be um your stomach. Um, it might the pain might get worse after you eat. So all those things. The location of atypical chest pain, most of the time it, it is focused on a particular place in the chest, unlike typical chest pain. 
typical chest pain is kind of diffuse. Like I said before, most people will feel like an elephant is sitting on their chest. But with typical, atypical chest pain, so let me say that again. With typical chest pain, the pain is diffuse. People feel like an elephant is sitting on their chest. Like they really can't take a nice deep breath. They feel pressure. They feel squeezing. With atypical chest pain, the pain is sharp. It is focused on a particular point and it could also radiate either to your back. So it could be right over your chest, but it could also penetrate. The pain could penetrate and go all the way to your back. It can also radiate to your left arm, to your jaw. Um, the timing of atypical chest pain is also it comes suddenly. So it comes very quickly. All of a sudden, you're having chest pain. So the onset and the timing is quick. It is sudden. And most people are scarce people. So And also, the pain can last for hours, sometimes days. Please don't keep the pain for days. Go get it checked out. Go actually get it checked out as soon as you can. Um, some people may cough. Some people may have shortness of breath. Some people especially when it's caused by the stomach, uh, they, they also might cough when they lie down. That's because the acid is backing up into the esophagus and it kind of irritates your throat. So you'll find that people are coughing, especially when they lie down. Now, some people might also have trouble swallowing when it's related to the stomach because once that... Um, esophageal tube, the tube that connects your mouth to your stomach, once it's irritated, you could have trouble swallowing. Um, so it's good to get it checked out. So like I said, um, the definition of um, atypical chest pain is not clear and it could be caused by your heart and it could also be caused by many other things. And I said women, for most part, they present with atypical chest pain Older people present with atypical chest pain. Uh, people with diabetes present with atypical chest pain. Some people may have nausea, vomiting, shortness of breath. Some people may even pass out, you know, dizziness. And with atypical chest pain, I want to clarify this so people can have an idea how it feels. The pain is sharp. The pain could be tailing. I can almost imagine tailing kind of pain. It must be really painful. Uh, it could be stabbing pain, and the pain can radiate to the back. It can cause difficulty swallowing um, and also shortness of breath. And the pain can last for hours up to a few days. Now, with typical chest pain, and the pain usually lasts for 15 to 30 minutes and it can be relieved by resting. Now, atypical chest pain, it doesn't work like that. It, the pain keeps going on. So, and the, the, the part that makes it more scary is that it could be your heart, but it could also be other things other than your heart. So the only uh, option is to actually get it checked out so the doctor can rule out your heart. And then after that, we need to figure out what is causing it and why is it happening. So, yeah. So treatment options for this kind of pain. 
uh, the treatment options are many. Um, and they all depends on what is causing the chest pain. So I'm going to talk about treatment in a few minutes because sometimes um, some people don't require treatment. Some people just require monitoring. Other people require like different types of medication. Other people may require procedures. Other people may require surgery. So let's start with medication. What kind of medication do you give uh, for atypical chest pain? It all depends. So it could, the chest pain could be, uh, be caused by inflammation of the heart muscle. So it's not, you're not really having heart attack, but you have inflammation of the heart muscle. That is called myocarditis. Uh, and that usually is treated with anti-inflammatories. Uh, the inflammation could also be coming from the lining of the skin that surrounds your, your heart. That is called the lining inflammation of the lining of your heart. That is called pericarditis. And that is also treated with anti-inflammatory and sometimes it could be treated with antibiotics. So some of them, also the costochondritis, if that is the cause of your chest pain, uh, we also treat that with anti-inflammatory. So some of the medications we give, we can give aspirin, we can give ibuprofen, uh, your ibuprofen, Advil, Motrin. We might also give a stronger anti-inflammatory like indomethacin or indocin. Or we can give colchicine. Colchicine has more side effects, but it's also used for treatment of gout. Um, now, depending on what's causing your chest pain, because sometimes it could be a blood clot in your lungs. A blood clot in your lungs, believe it or not, will cause back, um, blood to back up into your heart and cause congestion of the heart, and it may also cause chest pain. So if it's a blood clot, not in your heart, but in your lungs, we treat with blood thinners. We can treat with heparin, uh, different types of heparin. Your doctor can discuss that with you. Uh, a little few years ago, we used to treat um, people with uh, Coumadin. Coumadin is it's not very popular these days because of the side effects and people have to get blood work all the time when they are taking Coumadin and they also have to watch uh, dietary. There are a lot of dietary restrictions when you're on that medicine. But thank God we have newer anticoagulants. Uh, newer, there are three of them. And your doctor will kind of discuss that with you and tell you which one is um, better. Um, yeah. So uh, you could also be having pneumonia. Pneumonia is an infection of the lungs and it can also cause chest pain. So if somebody has pneumonia, they might <clears throat> end up being treated with antibiotic and oxygen. Now, another thing that might cause this kind of atypical chest pain is gastroesophageal reflux. In short, it's called GAD. Um, and um, this is where 
acid kind of backs up into the esophageal and it irritates um, the esophagus. So that is treated with um, medication that reduces um, acid production. Uh, the medication that we like to use is we could use Maalox, we could use Tums, which are anti-acid. But if the acid is actually causing that much problem, we might want to give a stronger pill, like a proton pump inhibitor. A proton pump inhibitor is in short called PPI, but it's your medicines like omeprazole and protonics. So, so in short. If somebody is having inflammation, inflammation of the heart muscle, which is myocarditis, they get anti-inflammatory. And sometimes we also um, may treat that with steroids. Steroids are good anti-inflammatory. Um, inflammation of the heart lining, I say that is called pericarditis. That can also be treated with antibiotics or anti-inflammatory, depending on what the case is. If there's an infection, it's usually antibiotic. Sometimes uh, the lining can be inflamed, not because there is an infection, but it's called non-bacterial inflammation. So in that case, we use um, anti-inflammatories, which could be um, your Motrin, non-steroidal anti-inflammatory, or we can use the steroids anti-inflammatory. Um, another thing that can cause this kind of chest pain is when the valves, the heart valves are not working properly in a case or they have inflammation also. Um, stuff like um, mitral valve disease, um, sometimes people feel uh, chest pain. And also inflammation of the valves is also called I think it's called endocarditis that is treated with antibiotics. Um, other causes of this type of chest pain is heart failure. Uh, normally, when you see somebody having a heart failure, that is, this is where the heart is now pumping normally uh, and is causing all kinds of problems. Most of the time, this is not... Um, it usually is a chronic condition. By the time you get to your heart failing... Uh, your heart can fail because you had a previous heart attack or you have been hypertensive for a long time and it just damages the heart muscle. Uh, other people may have um, chest pain, this kind of atypical chest pain from the aorta dissecting, a dissecting aorta. That means um, that's what cause like tearing problem, um, pain, like a sharp pain, a tearing pain, because you are actually having internal bleeding. One of your blood vessels has burst and is dissecting and it is tearing and is bleeding. So that kind of thing, that is very painful. Uh, lung conditions that cause chest pain, this kind of atypical chest pain will be your um, you could have a blood clot, like I said before, in your lungs, and that's called pulmonary embolism. Uh, you could have pneumothorax. This is where your lung has collapsed. You could have pneumonia. This is an infection of the lung. You could also have asthma. Asthma is when uh, your lungs are tightening up. They are getting congested and tightening up. It's, it's a type of inflammation, but it's non-bacterial inflammation. Normally, it has a trigger, 
um you could be allergic to dust pollen stuff like that you could um uh, you could have all kinds of asthma there are different types of asthma there are asthmas that are induced by exercise you know exercise induced asthma and when you're having that reactive airway disease um you could have chest pain so another thing that can cause chest pain is um chronic obstructive pulmonary disease or COPD. Another thing that can cause this kind of atypical chest pain is lung cancer. So as you can see, we need to do a thorough workup to find out what is causing this kind of chest pain. Um, when is the stomach gastroesophageal reflux disease? Um, that is when the acid is backing up and causing irritation. That kind of pain is a burning pain. And I told you um, the kind of drugs that we use for that. There is also inflammation of the stomach lining. At this point, you're not having any acid backing up, but the lining of your stomach is inflamed. Normally, it's too much acid still, but, or it could be bacteria overgrowth in your stomach, but the acid is not backing up. It's just staying in the stomach and causing problems in the stomach. So that one can also be treated with um, anti-acids, um, just like I mentioned before. Uh, another thing I mentioned was inflammation of the esophagus. Um, the esophagus can be inflamed for many reasons. It could be the acid that's causing the inflammation. It could be other things. It could be non-bacterial inflammation. It could be bacterial inflammation. So all that needs to be checked out. Um, the esophagus, the lining of the esophagus can also tear and that will cause tearing pain, very sharp pains. Now, I talked about the musculoskeletal chest pain where I talked about costochondritis where you have inflammation of the rib cages, especially the rib cage, just where it, it attaches itself to the sternum especially on the either the right side, but, you know, it will still cause chest pain. And I've seen people, it has bothered people to where they think they are having a heart attack. Um, you could also have muscle injury or bone injury to the rib cage. And that can, it's a, actually, it's, it causes, it's very, very common. It's a common cause of atypical chest pain when you have muscle injury or bone injury to the rib cage, um, broken ribs, um, tissue damage from injury can cause this kind of pain. Now, if somebody has that, normally if we did a chest x-ray, we can find out what is wrong with the rib cage. And of obviously a physical exam, because sometimes you may not have an injury, but you have inflammation, so all that can be checked out. Now, if it's anxiety that's causing it, um, anxiety, panic attacks can cause a feeling like one is having a heart attack. Uh, anxiety and panic attacks, are, they are especially panic attacks, my goodness, uh, they are detrimental. I've had a panic attack, and I can tell you that it does um, somebody feels like they are dying. So it is intense. It comes 
all of a sudden, it comes on you all of a sudden, your um, blood pressure may shoot up. Most of the time, people don't have time to take their blood pressure, but for sure, they can feel that their heart is beating fast. That is exactly how I felt, and it came on me suddenly. Uh, you can feel chest tightness. You can feel short of breath, like you can't breathe. You can feel dizziness, and then on top of that, it comes with intense fear, like fear of dying, because you you don't have time to think and think about what is going on, what is happening, and usually it's coming from anxiety or a panic attack, and just like panic attack sounds, it really is an attack. But it's coming from somewhere. Um, now, with atypical chest pain, I talked about the medication, but people can also have surgical procedures if they are having a heart attack. Because remember, atypical chest pain, it could be your heart that is involved, but it could also be other things. If somebody is having a heart attack, usually um, oxygen supply to the heart muscle is blocked. And most of the time, it is a blood clot that is blocking it or, or, or a fat, um, you know, like a cholesterol plaque, you know, that's why we recommend people don't get their cholesterol levels checked to make sure that they are not too high because that can cause blockage to the blood vessels that supply the heart. So if that's the case, then, um, we have to remove the blood clot. And there are different ways of removing that blood clot. Most of the time they do a cardiac cath or sometimes they even do open heart surgery. It all depends on what's going on and how quickly they need to get to the heart. Um, now, if it is a clogged blood vessel, let's say it's clogged because of cholesterol, they may need to go in and pull a stent uh, to open up that blood vessel. Uh, so those are the kind of procedures that they would do to stent placement or they can do a bypass surgery. Now, if it's the lung that is collapsed, uh, normally they will insert a needle or a tube so that they can inflate the lung back up uh, and also drain any kind of fluid that is in there. Because you know, when the lungs collapse, that is detrimental. It is a medical emergency. Uh, most people will have chest pain and they will have trouble breathing. Now, if it's esophageal tear, uh, the esophageal is tearing. That tear needs to be repaired. Now, if it's anxiety, once all the other things are ruled out and they don't see any physical problem, then they will say it's anxiety or panic attack. If that's the case, they will give you medication to calm you down. Most of the time it's a benzodiazepine like Ativan, uh, clonopin, lolazepine, those kind of drugs uh, to help you calm down. Um, they might also give people antidepressant, especially if this problem keeps bothering you. Um, every now and then you're running to the emergency room and they cannot find anything physically wrong with you, uh, they will give you an antidepressant or an anti-anxiety. Now, if you keep having this kind of atypical chest pain, um, you need to get rid of it. 
this is not something it, it number one is very scary and it's gonna disrupt your life and every time you have it you have to run to the emergency room to get tested so it is not only disruptive it is time consuming and it also consumes your money and it also puts you a fear of dying every time you have it you feel like you're gonna die so it's good to get rid of it but most people don't know how to get rid of it but that is what i do that's what i, I love to do because just because it's being caused by anxiety that don't mean that you have to take medication for the rest of your life and actually anxiety it is in short anxiety is fear either way you look at it it's fear and I can tell you that I, I have had it. So I know exactly how that feels. And I was able to cure myself. But you cannot cure yourself if you don't know what the root cause is. All these um, um, problems that I mentioned, all those diagnoses I was throwing out there, uh, pneumothorax, um, COPD, gastrointestinal, problems, gastritis, um, gastroesophageal reflux, costochondritis, all those problems, or every single one of them has a root cause. Most of the time, the root cause is very, very different from whatever else is going on, including asthma. And once you get to the root cause, which, which is what I do, because uh, I look at the physical things, but I also know that a human being has two natures. Um, a human being has two natures. One nature we can see. That is the one we call the physical body. There is another part of a human being that we cannot see. And science, I find this really interesting that science has completely ignored that part that we cannot see. It is ignored. It's not featured anywhere in medicine. And people never think about it, that it could be causing a problem. Even when we can see the physical problem, most of the time it's coming from the unseen realm. And that is the area that I specialize in. Like I said before, I actually have personal experience, but on top of that, I also have medical experience. And when it happened to me back in 2017, I was very, very aware what was happening, but I ended up in the hospital and I got the wrong diagnosis. But thank God, I knew what was wrong with me. And since then, because I saw all the mistakes that were made in my case, I decided to investigate that area further. And when I started looking into it, I found out that most of these problems, you can actually fix them. You can fix every single one of them if you know what is causing it. But now that's where I need your story. I need to know what's going on in your life so that I can advise you. Um, what I'm going to advise you is not, it's not treatment. I go, I go straight for the cure. I don't deal with treatments because your doctor can deal that with you. I talk about lifestyle changes, but I go very, very deep. I go beyond exercise. 
I go beyond food because we know, like I told you about the two natures, one of them is physical, the other one is not physical, it is unseen. Um, so man does not live on food alone. And this is another thing. Um, science, um, the medical industry has just focused on things they can see. The things that they cannot see, they kind of, um, I don't know whether they do it. Um, I don't know whether they don't know about it. I assume that they probably do not know about it. Um, because I, I don't know how we can just ignore this part of a human being. You know, when a human being dies, there is something that leaves. The, the, what's left behind is the body. And without that something, there's something that left, this body cannot do anything. So we need to look at that area. And once we do that, then we have complete healing. And when we look at that area and take care of it, we have total health. So that's why I started my school on total health, uh, to bring back that area, the unseen realm, your second nature. The other part that nobody sees, the other part that we cannot measure, we cannot do research on, we cannot do any EKG or x-rays on that area, but actually that is the most important area. So God bless you. I hope I have said something that can help you. And if you need my help, obviously, uh, get in touch with me. Try to get me on Facebook. Facebook is my favorite place to meet people. If you text me, I will text you back. And I check that every single day. So that will be the best place. But if you're not able to do that, then go on Amazon, get one of my books, especially Do Like Grandma Did, A Guide to Clean Healthy Eating. In the middle of that book, there's a chapter where it says, Do you want one-on-one help? You will find my phone number there. So God bless you. And I wish you well. And I wish you good health. Thank you. And don't hesitate to get in touch with me. Okay.